Hello and welcome to Writing Perspectives, a podcast about writing and writers. My name's Steve Borley and I'm a writer. Writing Perspectives looks at what the life of a writer is all about, how writers work and how they navigate their way through the reality of being a professional writer. I'm lucky enough to discuss writing with really interesting people who are generous enough to share their experiences with us for us to learn from them. And today I'm delighted to be speaking to Sam Pilger. Sam studied at the University of Sussex, England, and after graduating in American studies, he's gone on to establish himself as one of the most intelligent and insightful sports writers working today. Sam's written for over 70 magazines in 20 countries, including The Times Magazine, Esquire, The Daily Telegraph, 442 and The Cricketer. And he's also been deputy editor of the official Manchester United magazine. During this time, Sam's interviewed many of the greatest figures in world sport, including LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Sachin Tendulkar, Shane Warne, Sir Alex Ferguson, David Beckham, Wayne Rooney, the list is almost endless. Alongside his features work, Sam's also the author of a number of acclaimed books, often related to Manchester United and football, soccer, but also covering cricket. And Sam's also been a ghostwriter, and more on that shortly. So, Sam, a very warm welcome to Writing Perspectives. Thank you very much, Steve. It's it's good to be talking with you. I appreciate you giving up your time to, to talk to us today. So, can I start by talking to you about your magazine features career? Um, a lot of your writing has been interviewing, as, as, as I listed at the start, there are often some absolutely stellar names. How do you approach an interview? Um, I think uh, you start with, with thinking, well, what do you want to know? What do the readers want to know? What, what, what's, what's the most interesting thing you can, you can glean from the person you're interviewing? But also, very importantly, not ask them the same questions they've been asked before because you know one one of the rules really and it's not my rule it's a common sense rule i've heard other writers say is you know don't ask a question you can find out from somewhere else ask questions you don't know the answers to you know sometimes you may ask questions you do know the answers to 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 get them talking and to um, lead them in a certain direction but certainly you shouldn't ask you know um what did your mother do as a, as a job and where did you live until this age and these sort of things because, because frankly, you can find that out uh, elsewhere. You know, you, you need to find, get original, new copy that, that, that nobody's read before. Yeah, and when you're approaching an interview like that, and I mean, it's really, really interesting about asking um, original questions and I guess actually as, as, as time's progressed um, with the advent of Google and Wikipedia and so on, I guess that makes that more of a challenge than perhaps it used to be. Um, but but um, when, you, when you're doing an interview, what do you think you owe the interview? Um, that's a good question. Um, to be fair, to listen, um, but, uh, you know, not to interrupt, I, I suppose. Um, you know, I, I suppose the truth is, I mean, you, we can look at it very romantically, but I have to be honest, when I'm doing an interview, it's, it's, it's and this might sound um, uh, harsh, but it, it's a transaction and I have a clock ticking in my head the whole time. So as much as I would love, and it can happen and it's happened many times, a lovely hour, to, you know, or hour plus or, or, or for there to be no limits. But unfortunately, the, the, the profile of people I interview uh, or have interviewed in, in the past, there's always a limit. You know, you go into a room, you have half an hour, you have 45 minutes. Um, you know, last interview I did a couple of months ago with, with the former England and Arsenal player, Tony Adams, 
um, I had an hour with him, which was which was fantastic, and and uh, that's a good amount of time that you're not clock watching. Um, but the truth is, most interviews I do, um, there's a TikTok in in the back of my head. Um, I wish it wasn't the case, but it is. You know, these are famous, busy people, and uh, you know you're not you're never given two three hours. Certainly not in sports field um you know you're, you're you're like you know an hour with tony adams was fantastic i arrived at the interview thinking you know if i get half an hour it'll be okay and they said oh is an hour okay so that was great but but often so sometimes you you don't allow the, the conversation to develop as as it might do because you come with a, a list of areas of questions um and and you feel you know, you've got to sometimes hurry them through it and sometimes get to the questions you want to ask. Because obviously, you know, there's the classic icebreakers. And if you've got difficult questions, you, you leave them a bit later. I mean, I've never had an interviewee storm out or, 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 or I mean, I have had interviews cut short. But not, that's not so much because of the questions I've asked. I interviewed Michael Owen and I had half an hour. I was promised half an hour with him. This is when he was at the peak of his powers at Liverpool in England and half an hour suddenly turned into 12 minutes. Uh, so, so that, you know, I'm always aware of that. I might have been promised half an hour, but it, it, it could, it, it, it could get, uh, it could get shorter. So um, I don't know. I mean, it's a good question. What do I owe them? I don't know, really. Uh, uh, frankly, you know, I'm being selfish. It, it, it's not about them. It's about me. And I've, I've come, you know, to, to get some coffee, to get some words. And, and, and that's the most important thing because, you know, for my readers or the magazine or the people who have commissioned me. But, you know, to be fair, to listen and, uh, you know, to, 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 well, I think we go back to what before, to ask interesting questions because the worst thing is, and, you know, it's probably happened now and again, especially when you do interviews face-to-face, is, you know, you can see them, not roll their eyes, but, oh, I've been asked that before. So... <laughs> Um, and sometimes you can't avoid it. And, you know, people have interviewed before Bobby Charlton, George Best. The beauty about those guys is they must have been asked, you know, about the 1966 World Cup or 68 European Cup. And yet they, the gusto and the enthusiasm they talked about those things is just wonderful, made them special people. But, you know, um, there are people who, who, who sort of you know, don't want to be asked certain things, even if it's the most obvious thing. So, so ask interesting original questions. Great stuff. Yeah, that, that, I guess that, that must be, um, yeah, the interviewer's greatest fear or, 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 the, or the, the the challenges is to find that original and, and, and angle. And particularly, I guess, hard if somebody is famous for one particular thing or one moment or one instance or one, uh, you know, one moment in time, which often happens in sport, I guess, um, and trying to move beyond that. Yeah, well, I mean, sometimes it's, it's it, you know, I remember, and I think he's come out the other side of it, but Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who, who scored the the winning, dramatic winning goal for Manchester United in the 1999 Champions League final. There was a period of time, not that long afterwards, where he didn't want to talk about it and, and, and he wouldn't talk about it and talk with sigh and roll his eyes. And you think, hang on, you've lived everybody's dreams. Certainly you want to talk. About it. I remember, this is going back a bit, Paul Rideout, who scored the cup, cup final, FA Cup final winner against United in 1995 for Everton, you know, was... Oh, boring. Oh, I've got to talk about that again. You think, well, hang on, you've lived people's dreams. You owe it to people to talk about it. But I can sympathise in a way. I suppose it's like the, you know, the pop star who has to sing, um, you know, their hit record for the 
55,000 at the time. So, you know, it, it's about coming from other angles and, 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 and trying to think on your feet and, and trying to be original. So com- coming out of your, your interviews and features work that you did, you got the opportunity to ghostwrite. And you, you, you ghostwrote a book for, with, we'll talk about that perhaps, um, Gary and Phil Neville, the brothers who played for Manchester United and England. Um, so they were high-profile people with, with an interesting story to tell. Um, can you tell us a bit about that experience? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've done a lot of um, ghostwriting over the years with, uh, as you say, I mean, I've done columns with, uh, with, uh, with Ryan Giggs, Yapstam, uh, George Best, which was fantastic, meeting him once a month in a, in a pub off the King's Road uh, near, the, near the Thames in, in, in Chelsea. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, I've, I've done a book on, um, favorite moments in the ashes with, with England, you know, England and Australian cricketers. But yeah, I mean, Gary and Phil Neville, uh, that was a diary of a season. Um, and, um, it, unfortunately it was the 97, 98 season, which climaxed in the world cup, um, and United didn't win anything and Phil Neville didn't get picked for the World Cup squad. Um, even though the night before the, uh, the, the, the squad was announced, I, he said he felt a bit nervous. He wasn't. And I said, oh, don't worry. You'll, you'll be fine. There's nothing to worry about. And the next day I, I, was, I was proved wrong. Unfor- I say it's unfortunate because the following season, 98-99, Manchester United created history by winning the treble of FA Cup, Premier League, and Champions League, so we were out by about a season, unfortunately. <laughs> but yeah. there you go; that's the nature of, of that. But I, I, you know, I still think it provided an insight on professional. I think the problem we're looking back with that book is was was possibly, you know, it was of its time. But they were guys in their, um, you know, it did it did pretty well. But they were guys in their early twenties, um, and you know, footballers are even more cautious about what they say now but but you know they, they you know unfortunately it shouldn't surprise anyone you know the, the best not the best stuff but a lot of good stuff ended up on the cutting room floor because you know they're in their early 20s they didn't want to offend managers you know I think Glenn Hoddle was the England manager I don't think they're particularly warm to him but you know he's your boss so you're not going to yeah, slag him he's off. England manager yeah he's yeah, England yeah. manager so <laughs> you're not going to slag him off so you know and 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 you know, like anywhere, dressing rooms are, are riven with petty jealousies and not everybody you like. And, 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 and you know, I got a sense of that, you know, but it, it didn't come out in the book because they couldn't, you know. So, but then you're not going to do a, a diary of a season, you know, when they're sort of in their late 30s because, you know, I suppose, they were, you know, they were, they were, they were, you know, it's quite not unique, obviously, the Charlton brothers have done it before and done it better. But, you know, two brothers playing for England, Manchester United, it, it, it worked well, yeah. yeah. So thinking about the kind of the, the practice of, of writing that book, kind of how did you approach that and structure your work and, and how did it work with, with working with both Gary and Phil? Well, it would, um, I mean, it would just take the, 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 it was a diary of a season, so you had to be on top of events. So I would speak to them twice a week. Um, and uh, 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 to be on top of, of it, um, which would just take the form mostly. Uh, some interviews were done face to face, but um, they're in Manchester um, 
or, or Berry at the time, and I was in uh, I was in uh, I was in London. So most were phone interviews, which it would have done anyway, even if I was in Manchester as well. It was sort of like a, a half an hour, forty five minute chat over the course of eight nine months. Um, you know, and and then you would take their words and and you would you would you know write that in, in, into something readable um, and interesting, you know, and they were good. They were very reliable, very helpful. Um, and, you know, they were, they were, they were good to, to work with, you know, so it, it's about, you know, making the language accessible, but not, um, you know, so every at the end of the day was, you know, turned into a ultimately, or, you know, you, you wouldn't seek to, radically change their language but you would you would certainly look to uh, make it more accessible and you know and take the cliches out um and uh, you know try and have a sort of compelling story of the season i, I suppose that that diary um approach probably meant it structured itself because you wrote <laughs> things happened as they occurred in, in well that's right yeah it was quite quite straightforward for that yeah i suppose with other books and and, and i'm about to embark Hopefully, although it keeps it keeps being delayed, so I won't say who it's with, but with a um, a well-known football manager. Um, but yeah, that'll be a bit more different. That's his life story. He's a bit older, uh, still managing, but um, you know, but obviously, you'd look to structure it differently. There, you probably come in, you know, obviously with, with something that symbolises career or something dramatic that that gets you into the story. Yeah, uh, rather than but obviously, yeah, a diary. It was it kind of started in. August and ended in July. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite, quite. And and with that book and, and perhaps some of the others you, you've you've ghosted as well. Um, how much control do you did you have over the final book, or is that something you really kind of have to sign away when you agree to a ghost? Yeah, you don't. I mean, yeah, absolutely. It, it's it's their it's their. Well, I think my name was on the cover, but their their name was a lot bigger, and their pictures were on the cover. Um, so, so yeah, they have final approval. I don't, I can't think, I think, I think that relation, I, you know, I don't, it, you'd be silly to go into writing a book without having control of what, 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 what's in it. Um, and you know, you have to be careful what's in it because when it's in it, it's in it for good. And you, you know, it's not like the internet, you can take yeah. down a page or something. It's a book. Um, and it's, it's there forever. So yeah, as I said, I mean, there were stories and tidbits and anecdotes that, were great and that you know unfortunately they're always good that couldn't make the final book because they thought oh that would offend somebody or that would upset somebody or that doesn't come across very well so um but yeah you know you're a hired hand you're there to ghost them you are the ghost you know you're not meant to be seen you know <laughs> yeah that's right that's right yeah and but i guess possibly possibly the upside is you probably had less of the usual authorial hard work of doing the promotion. Well, yes, you're right. You're right. I mean, I did, I did go along um, to, um, to a few events. Memorably, I remember Sky Sports interviewed Gary at, at, at the event. It was, at the, it was the same um, autumn that books by also Ron Atkinson and Glenn Hoddle came out. And, and so it kind of, I wouldn't say overshadowed, maybe to an extent, but... Glenn Hoddles had caused a lot of controversy. Was, I think he had done a World Cup diary and, and, and spoken out of turn about players. Or See, this is the thing. He said something interesting and it became a controversy. But I remember being at the launch with 
sort of out, out of camera with Gary Neville and, and they sort of said, oh, Ron Atkinson said this in his book and Glenn Otto said this in your book. You know, what's the, mo you know, what's the most interesting or, you know, revealing thing in your book? And Gary live on Sky Sports went, uh, nothing. <laughs> so as Howard, <laughs> cheers, Gary. But you know, I mean, I can understand he didn't want to, you know, say, "Oh, yeah, it's yeah. full of scandal." Yeah, you know. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, so so that. But no, uh, he did okay. Yeah, good stuff. So obviously, that is you. You just uh, beautifully explained, you know, collaborative process when you're ghostwriting. You've also published a, a number of books under your own name um, mm. in collaboration with other writers. Can you tell us about that and, and how you make that work? Well, I, I, I suppose, um, I mean, actually, the, the Neville Brothers book was also was, was um, uh, done with another writer, uh, Justin Barnes, who, I, who, who remains one of my closest and best friends uh, to this day. I mean, nearly 20 years after we did that book together, we did a few other books. They were sort of all, uh, like that uh, with another writer who, who who's no longer a writer is a teacher now a guy called rob whiteman who, who remains a friend too we we did a, a book where we ghost wrote, wrote a chapter each of um uh as i mentioned before uh called the, the match of my life with um 14 chapters on each of them with an australian or an english cricketer talking about the match of their life in the ashes um so that was quite easy because mm -hmm. The, it's been reprinted with two extra ones that I did. So the original one, Rob did six chapters, and I did six chapters, and we were we were you know we sort of picked players we wanted to speak to, or it just sort of worked out naturally. So that that was that was quite easy to do um, uh, for, for, for for that book. So it sounds like you it was kind of a upfront division of labour rather than a kind of jointly working well that's right yeah it was very easy it was all yeah it was all yeah there were 12 chapters i did six he did six they didn't overlap uh they were you know self-contained stories about a start uh, about a, a, a you know a cricketer's match of their life so so yeah we worked together to promote it and to to um to uh to, to chase the cricketers and get them on board and and various things like that but the actual writing process no we did we did that separately one of the other things i think has been interesting about your career sam is you've had a number of books commissioned um sounds sounds terrific when somebody comes and says can i pay you to write a book um but what's that process like you know f for you as an author or for you as a writer are there different pressures to when you're 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 kicking off your own work um and is it more kind of freeing or, or is it is it more pressured well, I have to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I know friends of mine, and and, and you know, will take a punt and write write something and and hope it's published. I have to say, in terms of books, and largely with feature writing as well, I want to know it's a, maybe I'm you know I'm not taking a risk, but I want to know it's a sure thing. I want to know I'll be paid at the end of it, and you know. Um, and there's no risk involved, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time uh, working on something that that, that that's not, that's not going to pay me. Again, that doesn't sound very romantic, and and maybe by being freelance, I might have more of the time for that. But but but, but as much as you think you might, you don't. And certainly, not, me, I know other friends of mine and writers have spent a lot of time on things that don't pay well, and hope hope it will lead to other things. Or, but no, in terms of the books, and and you know, people have approached me and said. You know, will you write a book about this? 
you know, this is the fee and this is what we'll pay you, which is great. But yeah, I don't, I don't think I could spend days and weeks writing something that I didn't know would be published and I'd, I'd see some money for. But of course, you know, great works of fiction and nonfiction have been done without that that guarantee at the end. And, and mm-hmm. thankfully, people do take on risks. I have to say, in my career, I, I, I haven't, by and large. And when you when you've been commissioned and you're working with um, with your, your editor, uh, I guess is probably the key relationship um, with with the publisher. Um, you know, how does that relationship work for for a commission? Um, I I mean, you, I suppose you have to sort of check your your ego at the door. Really, you have to. Uh, I mean, I have to say, in you know, twenty twenty one years of writing, um, by and large, my my work isn't really. Um, greatly changed um which is always nice i mean you know uh, you know all writers have got egos of course or most of us have not not just writers and and, you know the first thing you do one of the first things you do when you see a commission you see a piece published rather is you read through to see what's been changed what's been uh, moved Mm -hmm. i have to you know unfortunately um i think actually in 21 years only one piece was completely rewritten um it was with an australian cricketer and they just did not like it and i rewrote it about two or three times and you know it's quite a mundane cricketer and i tried to make the most of it but he just <laughs> wanted something more to find something better he just didn't like it and um and uh you know it, it was radically rewritten and under somebody else's byline and and, and my name was was stuck at the bottom additional reporting by but i remember that because in 21 years that's the only time i have to say i'm i'm, I'm fortunate that 99 percent of my work has sort of remained largely untouched and you know and sometimes when you do these things you think oh well that's good that's an improvement um but uh, yeah in terms of books and editors yeah they'll suggest things or or ways to improve and you know you never you never know everything and you're never always right so um, I'm open to that, especially if you think, oh yeah, that worked. Yeah, that was a good idea. Yeah, I think that when I've been speaking to other writers, kind of irrespective of the form, whether it's whether it's fiction or non-fiction, I think that when you first start out writing, you think that you know you, you sit back at the end of, of creating something and you've written a magnum opus and you think it's marvelous and no one dare come within a hundred yards of it. But actually, as people work with professional editors that really understand their business you do get a lot of value and you do get a lot out of listening to a good editor who, who can really help you um, develop your work. Oh, yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's why the, the position exists, because it's a filter uh, through through your words. And, and I know that, um, you know, editors have a, have a, have a huge role uh, to play um, and, you know, to, to, to make improvements and, and you know, a, a few times. I think, oh, why have they done that? That's changed it. I'm, I'm not keen on that. But, but most of the time, any change is, is, is certainly for the better. Great stuff. So another another experience you've had that I'd really like to ask you about is um, some writing you've done for computer games. Um, as I understand, you've written for the really globally popular FIFA games that uh, certainly I've seen played in, in this house on PlayStations and Xboxes time and time again. Yeah, what, what was that like as a as both a creative challenge and as a kind of commission? Well, I mean that that was uh, that was quite enjoyable. I mean, it's funny; it's it, it's a few years ago now when they were still it was there was still FIFA, but um, 
it wasn't quite as um, hugely popular as it now. And it, I mean, you know, um, my son is 12 and I think he's probably in the next room playing it as we speak. Um, as, as indeed is oh, my well, there you go. Well, there you go, you know, <laughs> absolutely. And I, I have mentioned to him that I used to write the script for it several years ago and it, it mm. sort of got, you know, a, a mild shrug or, or some, some acknowledgement. But yeah, that, I mean, that, that was... It, it, it was big. It was still the biggest computer game. I think it's grown and grown. I think it, I think in the digital age with social media and 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 how the Xbox is developed, it's you know FIFA has become even, or, or, or the, all the other platforms, obviously, and PlayStation, it's become even uh, even bigger. But yeah, I mean, it, it was just it was for when I wrote the script for the commentators. So God, I can't remember who it was when I did it. I think it, I, I mean. It, Clive Tilsley or Martin Tyler, and I would just write. I mean, it, it, it's it's you know ten different ways of oh, it's a great save, what a shot, fantastic, you know, pass, and and it was quite difficult to think. You know, you know, you could do three, four quite quickly, but then the seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth would 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 be rather difficult. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, I, I I enjoyed that. Yeah, that that does sound like um, an unusual creative challenge, actually. Because you're not writing uh, any sort of narrative around it, you're not you're not structuring it in a, you know, in, in any kind of story form. Even when you write a feature, you you structure it in some kind of flow through from the beginning to the end. So I guess that must be quite strange to write these things in kind of in in isolation. Well, it's sort of difficult and easy because you know you're you're you're, you're just writing literally five words. You know, oh, you know, he's, he's tipped it over. What a save! Yeah, I mean, yeah. But, but, but trust me, they were better than that. But you know, it wasn't. You didn't. You didn't. It was literally just a sentence or a few words, so you didn't have to build anything around. But uh, yeah, I did that for three or four um, editions of the game, and uh, um, yeah, it was quite fun, quite different. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, because I know there are other writers that I know that also write either write the um, story elements for perhaps more more of your kind of fantasy role playing type type games. And I've also written some of the spin-off um, creative sort of fictional works based on the characters as well, which is kind of part of the universe of these things. And I think it's possibly an area where there's a growing need for for writers and and and, and story storytellers of, of all sorts. I think it's probably going to be more yeah, no, for writers I, I, coming up. I guess if I if yeah if I take something out of out of this, it's the fact to keep keep your ears open as a as a professional writer or as an aspiring writer. Because there may well be some um, some good opportunities. Yes, no, absolutely. Yep, yep. I agree. Excellent, sir. Well, it's been great talking to you this evening. I always like to, to, to finish up by asking what advice my guests would give an aspiring writer. So, Sam, over to you. What advice would you give? Yeah, it's funny because I did, um, at my son's secondary school a couple of weeks ago, uh, a careers fair where I sat there behind a table as a... As a, as a sports writer and in fact they were in year nine they were 14 and and unsurprisingly most of them didn't know what they wanted to do um but i found i found it very interesting that that, that it has changed enormously since i i found it interesting a challenge what advice i would give them and and and, and about being a writer and, and getting involved because the the, the, the the industry has changed enormously since i've been into you know some for the better some some not really a, a lot not unfortunately you know I, I started my first job in 1996 so 21 years later um, I'm 
still doing it. But as I mentioned before, a friend of mine, Rob, who you know, ducked out to become a teacher. I know others that have sort of moved sideways and into PR and so on. Um, and uh, it is difficult because, you know, I started before, <laughs> largely before the internet, um, before Twitter and Facebook, and before at a time when content wasn't considered to be free. Um, and this is is a major problem, really. The genie's out of the bottle that, you know, people are trying to set up paywalls and so on. But the truth is, you know, my son, your son's generation and older think content should be free. But of course, it can't be free because somebody's got to pay for it as well. So maybe I've started, what advice would you give with a bit of doom and gloom? But there are challenges now. It is a lot more difficult. I think as well, it's a lot easier to call yourself a writer now. Um, you know, you set up a blog, uh, you know, you, and, and, and so on, and you can say writer, and, and that's fine. It should be more accessible, um, and it certainly has been. But it also makes it a lot more difficult, too, because there's a lot more people doing it. There's a lot more access to it. So whereas when I started, it was maybe, I don't know, it, it was maybe a bit, you know, I did work experience at the Brighton Evening Argus, and the Daily Express, and, and, and various places, but now you don't, now it's, you know, traveling to an office for five days or down to Brighton. But now you can set up a blog and show your writing to the world with, you know, tapping out on, 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 on your website. So um, I've sort of gone round about the houses with my advice. But <laughs> I, don't, I mean, obviously, it depends on the, on the field you want to write in. But it, it, it just to, 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 to read, to read books and you know, to, to, to and, 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 and to write and practice your writing. I mean I didn't I didn't I didn't do media studies or journalism at, at university. I know that 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 has exploded now for, for students. Uh, there's so many more journalism and media studies courses. Um, I've always believed if you can write you can write and, and and is it necessary to do them? You know, if you can construct a, a story and or show evidence or build an argument write well then do you really need uh, you know whether you do English or history or geography or, or whatever do you really need to do those courses but maybe you do maybe maybe somebody hiring now said no we look at that I, I'm not sure I think if you can prove you you can write then 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 that's enough and I think there's so many more forums to prove you can write now as I said you can set up a blog or uh, have your own um, you know Twitter account and get followers and and, 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 you know, people, you know, but it's about getting paid. As I come back to my third point, you can set up a blog and you can have 100,000 Twitter followers that are reading your blog, but are you getting paid? I know people that, you know, started like that and that, that's their gateway to jobs. So um, I, I hope I haven't put off any writers. <laughs> but but uh, as I say, it's become more accessible. It's become more open. But then... That's a bigger field you're competing against now. So, um. no, I think that's I think that's really interesting, Sam. I mean, you know, um, writers of all types, whether you're talking about creative fiction writers or you're talking about somebody on the on the journalist spectrum, um, I think that, that that idea that yes, writing and getting your work out there and seen is is good. But as you say the double edged sword is if we're talking about a profession, we're talking about a career, we're talking about sustaining yourself. Then, then you have to think about how, how that's going to work too, and it's a challenge. Challenge we we all have, I think, as we start writing, um, to to you know to find a way to to, to self sustain the life of being a writer. 
Um, so it's really interesting that you, you talk about that from your perspective in, in sports and um, certainly that you know it's now a cr- more crowded field than it was before um, is, is I think very true and it's certainly true if you look on things like Amazon and ebooks mm. and almost any genre of fiction there's now so much for people mm. to choose from some of it terrific some of it possibly not as terrific um, but it but it, it you know but a lot of those those books there those ebooks particularly that people self-publish are, are free or, or very very low low priced and you know, you'd struggle to um, sustain a, a lifestyle on, on, on that kind of income. So interesting, interesting. But thank you very much um, for everything you've had to say today, Sam. It brings us to the end of our time for this episode. Um, it was really great to get you a, a different perspective for someone who's writing and writing experiences is totally different from mine, a, a wholly different experience. So thank you very much. I really appreciate you coming on today. That's my pleasure, Steve. Good to talk to you. Thanks, mate. So wasn't that great? There's loads there for the aspiring writer to learn from and, and think about and, and some good, I think, direct advice. Whatever you're planning to write, I hope this uh, episode has got you primed to be creative. It's good, isn't it, when conditions feel right? You know, I can bash away at my keyboard, words are flowing, and I hope it feels like that for you today. But maybe not. And that's OK, because we all have days like that. But if you need something to get you started, why not try an interview? If you're writing fiction, why not interview one of your characters? Ask them why they do what they do and believe what they believe. Have a bit of fun working out their answers because you never know you might learn something that will help you develop your work and if not well spending some time with your characters should be enjoyable we want our readers or our audiences to spend time with them so it should be fun and i think we're allowed to enjoy ourselves when we write as well so that's pretty much it for today please come and visit our website writing-perspectives.com i'll be posting full show notes for this episode so you can find out more about sam and i'd be delighted if you'd leave your comments to let me know what you think and also share what you know And you'd also make me really happy if you left a review on iTunes. So thank you for listening to Writing Perspectives. I'm Steve Borley, and until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.